Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Welcome to uh, the first ever episode of the We Made a Shit Ton of Money Off GameStock, GameStock, GameStop Stock Podcast. Uh, newly found millionaire, I'm Ryan Hanna. I missed the boat. I'm Brad Crisco. 10% owner of GameStop. I'm Evan. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually, for the record, I don't think any of us bought GameStop stock. It was funny because I probably am, I am in AMC, though. I, hey, Brad, I'm calling the SEC. <laughs> I'm calling the SEC yep. right now. <laughs> Manipulator. Um, I, uh, a few months ago, Brad was asking Evan and I just about like investing in like smart ways like he was asking about details about certain index funds and things like that like responsible long term like the adult ways to to invest and then today it was just like <laughs> GameStop, <laughs> amc hold boys <laughs> i was like diamond hands hold the line hold the line <laughs> like, i've just been sending like saving private ryan memes to my buddies who are like I don't know how much longer this can hold. And I'm, it's like the one where Tom <laughs> Hanks is shooting at the tank with his pistol and it blow, the tank blows up. I was like, hold, boys, hold. <laughs> it's been a wild day. The, I, the number of people who are like talking about this that know nothing about the stock market or don't even trade at all. It's crazy. It's actually the craziest thing I've ever witnessed. I've at least been doing this for a couple months before I had my first meme stonk. <laughs> it's fun. oh and i'm it's funny too like there's actually like an entertainment value to this because like i didn't throw much money in it because it's a fucking meme and i'm not like ryan said i'm trying to be a responsible investor sure i got some disposable income that i can have some fun with i checked my phone every 30 minutes today and i haven't been checking my investments more than once a week it's exciting (laughs) when stuff goes up it's exciting it's like the greatest rush of all time. <laughs> it's Especially like you don't right see, now. <laughs> you don't see charts move like they did today outside of like cartoons depicting the stock market. And you yeah. looked at it, you're like, it went up how many? It went a hundred percent in an hour. Anyways, like this isn't. I it, it's so pervasive. Like this whole thing is such a national story that I saw like seven different blue checkmarked hockey Twitter people, <laughs> and I I specifically looked. Like more than half, the vast majority of their tweets were all about stocks, very little about hockey news. Elon there's Musk, a big story today. Elon Musk, <laughs> all he said yesterday was uh, uh, game stonks. He tweeted about it and then linked to the Wall Street Bets subreddit. And the, the, the stock went up $100 in 30 minutes after hours. It was, it was, it's, it's insane. It's, it's a cultural phenomenon right now. I have no idea how people can dump this as much money into this as they are. Like, I get it. Millionaires have been made this week off of this, but it, it's funny. I I, what, I forget what I bought into AMC for. I think it was like, I think it had just crossed $16. So like I was a little late to the party even on that. And then I checked like an hour later and it was at like $14.90. And I like, I'm like, well, that's it. I, <laughs> I have to <laughs> jo- go jump off a bridge now. And then I checked an hour later and I'm up by a dollar. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> It's the best. The kicker, and I'm sorry for everyone who's already tired of this news. I promise we'll get off it. You know what the kicker to all this is? <laughs> I didn't get in. I, I don't do this. I don't. I don't have the stomach. And I, like I'm already, my investments are purely 
index funds that track the entire market. So whatever the entire US stock market does, that's what my portfolio does. The kicker to all of this, like GameStop being up a thousand percent, the entire market was down two percent. Yeah, I know that's the funniest thing. <laughs> Everything's getting hammered except for the meme stuff. Yeah, I was I was trying to not look at uh, my my view and grow and all that fun stuff today because that it was it was harshing my buzz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like I'm sitting here on my high horse, like oh look at all these idiots like jumping in on this meme, like they're going to get burned. Meanwhile, I'm sitting on the sidelines with my responsible adult money dropping my two percent. <laughs> what a day. If you are a, a Winged Wheel podcast listener and you made an appreciable amount of money off uh, the GameStop, AMC, BlackBerry, or any other meme stonks, um, congratulations. May I redirect you to patreon.com slash Winged Wheel podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you will know how we're doing in the market if there's an episode next week or not. <laughs> this is how you know how bad the Red Wings game was last night because we're still oh talking God. about this. Five minutes in, yeah. Yeah. That's a f- fantastic segue, Evan, because holy, that's yeah. bad. If there's the excitement of the meme stonks on one end of the spectrum, there's the Red Wings game somewhere near the bottom of the other one. Yeah. Um, we can, before we get back to the meme stonks, we can quickly do a recap of the game because I guess we are a Red Wings <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Nothing happened in the Red Wings still lost. So anyways, Nokia. Um. Yeah, that that game was – it's going to keep happening. And at no point during that game did I say, <clears throat> like, stupid Ryan of 2020 might have said around this time, oh, I can't wait for this season to be over. At no point did I say that, but I was like, wow, it never stops being surprising to the viewer how ugly it is when the team the Red Wings are playing play down to their level. And admittedly, it was a good game for a lot of def- for the defense on both sides in some capacity, and it was at the same time it was a bad game for offenses on both sides in some capacity. But it came to a point where ten minutes passed in a period, and my eyes glazed over, and I was like, I couldn't tell you a single thing that happened, and nothing did. No, and the sh- final shots I think were twenty one twenty one or twenty two twenty one. Um, I need to let everybody know who wasn't paying attention to it. That is absolutely a padded stat. The Dallas scorekeepers were being generous because I noticed it in the second period. I'm like, Detroit doesn't have that many shots, do they? And then I saw Dallas dump one in and it rolled to Grace. And then I saw the shot ticker go up. So they were literally counting everything that went in the direction of the net that hit a goalie. So take that for whatever it's worth. But to get like actually serious about the game make no mistake that was by design like dallas ryan's absolutely right dallas played down to detroit's level they were off they did not look like the dallas stars of the first two games that scored eight power play goals between those two games they they had a bad game but teams have bad games so when a bad team plays a good team and the good team has a bad game yeah a bad team it's a great opportunity and it's all's fair in love and hockey so you know and can't dwell or or drop everything on dallas playing bad for the reason detroit getting to overtime i think i had a stroke trying to get that sentence out but blashill knows his team's bad he plays low event hockey to minimize the damage. He's been doing this for years and it seems like he's doubled down on it this year. 
Maybe it's because he has more competent players who can execute his vision better, which is perfectly likely. And his theory of a bad team playing low event hockey to minimize the damage isn't entirely crazy. I, I don't like it. I disagree with it fundamentally, but like I understand the logic behind it. And again, last night it worked. Say what you want about nothing happening. The Red Wings got a point out, out in the standings out of it, like against a good team. That is a long-winded way of saying, I hate it, this sucks, and it leaves me deeply concerned because in the NHL now, the top teams play good systems defensively, but play with creativity offensively. This team has no creativity. None. They run the same garbage systems over and over again, like I went on about last episode, where nothing happened. They chip and chase. They got lucky on the one goal where Smith made it a 50-50 battle and Taro Hirose actually went to the proper spot in support, which has never happened in their dump and chase the whole time. The one time they executed properly and it actually results in a goal. Go figure. My biggest concern here, though, without repeating all the flaws about this that I said last episode is the fact that they took Dallas to overtime. I fear Blasio will look at this and go, good. It worked. We took a far better team to overtime. In the short term, yeah, there's positives to this strategy. In the long term, it's going to do damage to the franchise because... The Larkins, the Manthas, the Bertuzzi's, the Zadinas, the Fabries, the Giovanni Smiths, Michael Rasmussen, Taro Hirose's even. The guys who thrive on offensive creativity, and even if they don't thrive off of it, have the capability to exist in a creative offensive system, aren't going to get that practice. Their quote-unquote bad habits are going to become permanent. You do the same thing over and over again, it becomes habit, and it's harder to break the habit than it is to form a new one. So again, this was part of my argument last episode for saying, yeah, I understand people saying might as well just wait the season out for Bla- with Blashill. This is part of the reason why I say this changeover, if it happens, needs to happen as soon as possible. Forget the Rona world. Go with no coaches for two weeks. At this point, that's an upgrade. And I'm not even saying that. I'm not even saying that to be funny. Um, like if you look at what's happened with a lot of the Red Wings prospects. And I'm not going to talk about the Larkins and the Manthas and the Bertuzzi. They were going to be good no matter what. They just have too much skill to not be good. Hiroshi had seven points in his first 10 games as a Red, uh, as a Red Wing. Skill player. Man, that, was a, that was a hot run. That was fun. We all, it, it was. We and all he rode was, that high. It's because Hiroshi, if you looked at his game then, he was playing like he did in college, which was he was the best player on the ice. He did fun, creative things, and it worked a lot of the time. That got beaten out of him very quickly. And we didn't see the same Taro Hirose the next year. And don't think the Griffins don't run a similar system. So even though he spent it in the HL, yada, yada, yada. It's like when Blasio was in Grand Rapids, he was deploying Babcock system in Detroit. That's how an organization should run, truthfully. Um, it, it's like my, my one shining glimmer of hope from last night's game. Because, yeah, the Mantha, Ryan... Um, Oh, I already forget who the Nemesnikov. Nemesnikov line looked decent. I'm not going to say good because they weren't, but they were decent. They were better than the other lines. There was a power play the Red Wings had in the second period. The second unit came out. <laughs> it was just for 20 seconds of that power play. 
But the way Brome and Hiroshi and Rasmussen were moving and moving the puck around, it was the first competent glimmer this power play has had this year. They have a couple power play goals, but you actually break down those power play goals. They were flukes. Every single one of them. Now, yeah, there's an argument to be made by, yeah, you take the shots. Shit like that happens. Fair. But it's easier to manufacture offense than hope for luck. I just remember watching Hiroshi get in on the half wall. Or, yeah, it was sorry. I think it was Brome who had it first. I might have Brome and Hiroshi mixed up. Move his feet. Go high to low. Look, cross seam. Hiroshi gets open for the outlet. They put that pass right through the middle of Dallas's defense. And as Dallas now has their back turned to the puck, they have to turn quickly to follow the puck. As they turn, Rasmussen slips to the back post. Hiroshi, again, it might have been Brome. I might have those guys backwards. But Hiroshi, I'll say, puts the pass right on Rasmussen's tape. If it wasn't for a miracle save by Anton Hudobin, that would have been the first power play goal this year the Red Wings manufactured, and it would have come from Brome, Hiroshi, and Rasmussen. When I saw that play unfold, my immediate thought was, wow, that is one single thing that happened, and it makes me want to keep Giovanni Smith, uh, Hiroshi, and Rasmussen up the whole time. I don't care what you have to do with the taxi squad. I don't care if you have to wave Phil Pular or Nielsen or, or whatever it is, but just give them some kind of ice time because if this is what we need to get the the hard coverage or the, the hard matchups off the top line, you know, then by all means do it. And also – Brad, I'm, I'm, I'm happy you highlighted Brome because is this guy not <laughs> the most consistent performer on the Red Wings this season? Like between him and the goaltenders, you can always rely on them doing something. Matias Brome moving his feet to generate offense on the power play is, I think, the only reliably positive thing that I expect from the power play when they're on the ice. Because even the Larkins, even the Manthas, even the Heronics seem to be taking those ill-advised shots. For example, Heronic, my God, please, the off-balance, off-kilter, just random shot when you don't have the lane at the net. Like, Heronic, you're so much better than that. Or Larkin turning it over near the neutral zone or at the blue line. Or, or Mantha, you know, with his feet standing still in the offensive zone or whatever it might be. That's all creeping into their game a little bit more, as, as Brad just outlined. But Brome moving, moving the puck, protecting it with his body, moving the, the, the defense around to generate lanes. Rasmussen, if they're dead set on him being in front, then, then Hiroshi utilized that with a great pass and redirect that Brad just mentioned. Like that alone to me is worthy of keeping them on. And yeah, I, I think Brome deserves a world of praise for how he's come into this team and already done things better than, than, Guys who are objectively more talented have been doing this season. I almost had a criticism of Brome last night watching him. And then I, I kind of had to have one of those, okay, cause and effect thoughts. Because um, there was a couple times over the last, I'll say a few times over the last couple games where I noticed Brome would get the puck, get a pretty clean zone entry or run a pretty clean cycle, but then hold on to the puck for too long and lose it. And then it results in a 50-50 battle, and sometimes he got it back, sometimes the other team took it over. So I was wondering, I'm like, that seems odd, considering, like you said, on the power play, he seems to be the most effective puck mover. So why is he always holding it too long during 5-on-5? So I went and watched a few of the instances I was thinking of. He never has an outlet. Nobody's in the right spot. He's a dead man walking. His only option would be to chip and chase or to hold it. And the fact he's willing to hold it makes him my favorite player on the team right now because 
I, I'm I'm done with chip and chase hockey. It doesn't work. I don't know why the Red Wings still use it. But yeah, it's I feel for the guy. He's like, oh my god, I get to come play in the NHL, and he's like, Christ, I had more passing lanes in the SHL. Jesus, he's tr- <laughs> he's he's legit trying to make things happen out there, and his line mates are doing their best to not allow that. And so when he gets a bit of extra space on the power play, it's noticeable, which transitions me into the problem here. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy with how Giovanni Smith, Tara Hirose, and Michael Rasmussen have been playing. They're not impact players. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say Hirose, Rasmussen, and Smith are the answer. No, I peg each and every one of them as a bottom six scored at best. Okay? Let me... Before anybody's saying, oh my God, Brad, Hiroshi's not the answer. I know. I know. They only played like seven minutes each, I think, on average between the three of them. I'm sorry, Brad. Can I cut you off for a second? Go. In my headphones, you said I peg each and every one of them and then your voice cut out. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. I no. I'm, I'm getting radioed on that one. Well, as long as you're pegging everyone and not <laughs> yeah. discriminating. Exactly. Yeah. Equal opportunities here on the Wayne Wheel podcast. <laughs> Keep going with your hockey point, please. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways, um, I understand these guys aren't impact players. They're all bottom six guys. And they're averaging about, they averaged between the three of them, seven minutes or so of ice time last game. One, when they're three of the only players competently performing on this team, again, they weren't great. They were just competent, which puts them well above average relative to the last few games. When the Luke Glendening, Valtteri Philpilup, Franz Nielsen line played 17 minutes, the only forward who had more ice time than Val Philpilup was Anthony Mantha. When they play 17 minutes and generate Zero shots on net between the three of them. I have no idea how to even process that. Giovanni Smith and Taro Hirose are not going to play another game as long as Robbie Fabry and Philip Zadina and Adam Ernie are healthy. I've, I don't care how optimistic you are. I've seen Jeff Blashill pull this shit for five years. The rookies are going out of the lineup and the fact he's only playing them seven minutes a game proves it. We are going to continue to get the old guy tour to shit every game until they end up retired, injured, or on the COVID list. And we're going to send the young guys to the taxi squad or to Grand Rapids when that starts up. And there's no excuse for it at this point. There's none. Zero. The fact that those three can be barely competent NHL players and they're light years ahead of Philpel and Nielsen is staggering. Like I forget someone posted a chart about the expected goals percentage. And I I think that line might've been in the single digits or pretty close to it, which is unheard of, especially in a game where you played 17 minutes. It's staggering. Yeah. The, I, I was watching the, um, I was watching their expected goals and all the, the, their underlying numbers as the game was going on. And they just kept getting more and more ice time and they were doing worse and worse. I'll pull it up for us here right now. Um, the best line, the two best lines as expected were, uh, Larkin Bertuzzi, Brome, and then, uh, Mantha, who I think had a much better game again. Um, Nemesnikov. Yeah. 
Bobby Ryan. So Red Wings forward lines. What do you want to know? Relative Corsi? Do you want to know expected goals? Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, expected goals for percentage. Brome, Philpula, Nemesnikov, Mantha. Or, sorry, Brome, Brome, Philpula. I don't want to know the good stats. I want, I want pain. Tell me the Nielsen line. Philpula, Nielsen, Glendening. Um, <laughs> the relative expected goals for negative fifty four point five eight. The top end of that scale is. 50. How is that possible? Yeah. The relative Corsi four percentage is negative 44.23. The next worst was negative 6.4, which was the young guy's line, Rasmussen, Hiroshi, Smith. They, they just, they, they went out there and were awful in every single way. And they played. So, uh, as a line, Nemesnikov, Mantha, Ryan played 1048 together, time on ice. Philpola, Glendening, Franz Nielsen played 1007 together. And those are the two top. Why? Like in terms of ice time, it's there's just no functional point. If you're looking for low event hockey, I don't think that's low event hockey. It's low event hockey in one direction, but in terms of what they allowed against, my God, it's zero, lopsided. Zero shots on goal in 17 minutes of ice time. I th- sorry, Glendening and Phil had 17 minutes. I think Nielsen was 14 something. But still, zero between the three of them. You don't need advanced stats to know that's horrible. Yeah. 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 In 10 minutes, zero shots, four, three shots. Yeah. It's just bizarre. And I I know people don't love like, you know, diving into the or just having percentages and stuff right out at them. But it's just really to illustrate here. There wasn't a point to this. It's There wasn't a, a lead to protect. It, it's not like anyone plays good shutdown hockey. It's not like... um you know, Glendening and Helm in their heyday when they would go out there and just completely shut down another team's momentum or anything like that. This is just – like, Philpula and Nielsen should not be out there that much. Just no. under no circumstance should they be out there, that, out there that much. Yeah, they have a purpose on this team, which is they are a warm body and there's not really much else to fill their place because – you know, they're not going to shove every young guy the Red Wings have in there. Although, as Brad mentioned, I think maybe we should. But Racing? Yeah, <laughs> it's a fun episode. But just because they're there doesn't mean you have to utilize them that much. And I don't really get it with Philpula. Like, what's Blashill's? He doesn't have the familiarity because he wasn't there for his tenure, his original tenure when Philpula was playing more towards his prime in the late 2000s, early 2010s. So I don't get it. I think it's just a good old fashioned Babcockism where he just he leans on the vets. Like you hear that term in hockey all the time. We lean on the vets, whether it's good or not, they do it. And Blashill is the coach. I, again, it, it feels like just piling on at this point, but he's that guy. You can watch Philpola and Nielsen or whoever turn the puck over in the neutral zone or in their own zone a uh, half dozen times in a game, and he'll keep parading him back out there because he knows, you know, they had years where they years and years and years of experience where they didn't do that. And Rasmussen or Hirose, they they make that play once and you know we're not seeing them for the next 10 minutes. Like it is is the nightly tantrum happening in your house yeah, right now? Yeah, it's bed for me cuz so she's not happy. I will I will mute when I'm not talking. <laughs> That's okay. I was just wondering. <laughs> I, I thought it was just them playing, and then I, I heard. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, that one, that one's not happy. Um, yeah, positive points about this game to bring it to 
I guess a little bit of a positive positive note was that uh, Dallas didn't absolutely roll them, which was nice. Um, did they get two power play goals or just one? Just one power play goal. So for a prolific power play team that Dallas has been to start the season, small success. Um, they play them again on Thursday, same 8.30 start time. So we'll see um, how they roll uh, in, in the rest of the little mini series. Other points of note, yeah, just not another great game from Heronic. Someone made a good point. They're like, is it that Heronic hasn't been good or that he just hasn't looked like, has he been bad or just has he not looked as good as he usually is? Yes. <laughs> um, I'm not impressed by him. I, I see some stuff creeping into his game, like the bad decision making, uh, you know, when he has the puck on the blue line where he kind of wants to force that one timer goal that we've seen from him so much um, where he really wants to kind of force that offensive play when it's just not there shooting into lanes that are completely jammed up or shooting into lanes with absolutely no coverage or screen at all, or where he doesn't have the angle is something I is so easy for him to stop doing what you, the point you brought up before Brad with Brome, like as to why he's holding the puck for so long is to generate a lane because there's no one open for him. I can understand how that could lead to hindering Heronic's offensive output because if no one's moving around, no one's moving their feet or, you know, rotating at all, then yeah, he's not going to be able to move the puck as effectively as effectively as he would uh, want to. But in my mind, that also falls on the puck carrier. So it's not like this is happening to Heronic. Like he does need to step his game up. It is only what six games into the season, so not sounding any alarms. Much like Mantha, we can talk about how he hasn't been good, but doesn't necessarily mean you have to hit the trade button right now. But Heronic needs to be a key performer for this team to reach that level of okay, they might not be among the best teams in the league, but at least they're not prolifically bad like last year. Yeah, but that's what makes it disappointing, is because getting back to that philosophical conversation about improvement. They are very much better on paper. Nobody debates it. They look like the team from last year. I There's no way around it. They've had, out of seven games, they've had two where I would say they didn't feel like last year's team. But my counter to that would be last year, every two out of seven games, they didn't look like themselves from last year. They could string together two competent games out of seven. So... This season so far feels exactly like last season to me because let's not forget, what did they start? Three and one last year? So we are right back where we were, where except they only started two and two this year. It wasn't even an improvement at the start. And the following three games that two and two start have been off of cliff. Um, other positive note to maybe bring some joy. Nemesnikov finally shook the monkey off his back and got his first goal. He looks so relieved. He looks so happy to score. Never has he been more happy to fan on a backhand. <laughs> yeah, I saw his backhand and before I saw the close-up, like it was just kind of an overhead shot. I'm like, oh man, that was a clever backhand. And then you looked at it and it's, yeah, he completely whiffed on it. And you could tell because uh, Kadobin was Kadobin set himself up as that, as if that backhand was trying to go over his shoulder or near his glove, and then it just kind of slid along the ice. So I'm pretty sure Slava Kozlov's first NHL goal with Detroit was in 92, 92 or 93. 
So we're talking almost 30 years later, his nephew, Vlad Nemestikov, scores his first goal with the Red Wings specifically. So that was a cool moment. That clip of him just kind of like looking at the skies, raising his hand like, oh, finally. Yeah, it was nice to see. I'm happy for him. And Taro Rossi with the big assist. And Giovanni Smith. And Giovanni Smith, don't forget. My my initial tweet was um, keep Hiroshi and Rasmussen on this team. And I hit send and I went, ooh, I forgot to mention Giovanni Smith in there. And it was just the immediate barrage of don't forget Giovanni Smith. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. My bad. Giovanni Smith too. I like when Giovanni Smith is there. It's very – when nothing else good is happening, I'm happy there's a guy going in there and pissing off the other team. Like there's – we're always on the verge of a Giovanni Smith fight. And I – on a competitive team, I don't think there's a role for just a pure enforcer. Not that that's what Giovanni Smith is. I think he can bring energy to a fourth line. Um, but from an entertainment standpoint, when nothing else is happening, yeah, I'm very happy to have Giovanni Smith in there pissing the other team off. Keep him up too, please. Yeah, it was like that brief moment at the end of the one game against Columbus where everybody started fighting and you're like, hey, maybe this team cares. Well, it looks like most of this team doesn't care anymore. But Giovanni Smith cares. Um, all right, I'm going to transition us a little bit into NHL wide news here. Actually, um, before next episode, let's talk about who the Red Wings are playing. So they have Dallas again tomorrow night. We're recording this on Wednesday night. Uh, tomorrow, Thursday is Dallas. Saturday is Florida and Sunday is Florida again. And then we'll be coming at you Sunday after the Florida, the second Florida game with our uh, weekend episode. Um, okay. Other NHL news. It seems like uh defenseman vince dunn is on the trade market which is incredibly intriguing he's 24 turning 25 this year uh left-handed shooting defenseman out of st louis um doesn't have hasn't had the start that he's wanted but cost controlled for well i mean this season but he's an rfa upon expiry st louis is fairly in my mind they want to start looking for a first i don't think i would give up detroit's first uh but that is a that's a pretty good defensive piece for someone if someone picks him up. I don't know what you guys think. Um, I'm lukewarm on Vince Dunn. I think, he, well, obviously he's an upgrade to most of the Red Wings blue line. Um, he did regress a bit last year. He was about a, pretty close to a half a point per game player in his second full NHL season. But then uh, he chopped 12 points off of that in seven less games the following season. And his start this year has been a little less than inspiring. Um, one quick tangent teams and media outlets really need to stop throwing out like they are seeking a first round pick like all first round picks are created equal Tampa's first round pick and Detroit's second round pick are going to probably be one pick apart this year so understand that when they say that right Um, he would be that second unit actually looking at this team, he would be that first unit power play quarterback um, that they so sorely need. Uh, Hopefully a second unit if this team's ever good. Um, It has his warts to his games, defensively deficient. Uh, The regression kind of concerns me a little bit. Playing on a stack team like St. Louis probably props up his numbers a little bit. I'm intrigued, but I'm not paying the price that some Red Wings fans have been throwing around for him. Like I saw Chalosky and a second for Dunn. And my response to that was maybe one or the other. Maybe I would do Chalosky. He's what Chalosky could turn into is essentially what Vince Dunn is now. So sure. 
you're sacrificing a bit of a few years there with Dunn being older, but uh, sure bet versus a possibility. Fine. Fair. And a second round pick. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't give up pick 32, especially in this year's draft where everything's so volatile and players are going to fall. But Detroit's got three second round picks. If they want to give one of the other picks, sure. Why not? It's worth the risk. That's why you stockpile picks. Use them for whatever the hell you need. But yeah, no, like you have to understand that even though the NHL's perception of Vince Dunn is high, you got to look at the extenuating circumstances that raise more than a few red flags with him. Okay, I understand being a little bit softer on Dunn, like you, you're not as as firm on him, where you're not trying to give up pick 32. I, I think that's a completely fair assessment. Um, I think you are absolutely insane if you wouldn't straight up to. I think Eisenman would hang up. He would start laughing before he hung up the phone if St. Louis wanted Dunn for Cholosky. I think Dunn, Dunn has to be two years older at most, and he's substantially I think he's, better. Isn't Dunn 25? Cholosky is Cholosky can't be older than 22 max Cholosky is born February 15th 98 Vince Dunn was born October 29th 96 oh geez so oh, that's yeah. a year yeah. and like four months oh yeah that's not bad at all then actually yep, yeah forget that um I I would do Cholosky in like Edmonton second I don't know Ah, if I'm doing a former first round pick, I am not throwing in a second round pick. Because again, Cholosky's only a year and four months younger. That's not a thing. But like Cholosky, there's a reasonable chance that he turns into Vince Dunn. Like that's his best case scenario. So am I going to add a premium so St. Louis can potentially get a f- uh, comparable player that's a little younger? No, God, no. Would I add a small kicker? Sure. If they wanted to take one of our C-level prospects or like a mid-round pick, fine. But yeah, I'm not throwing a premium pick in there. And again, the one, the optimistic view about the 2021 draft right now is, yeah, it's so all over the place with the rankings, with the way the draft is, with the way the pandemic has made this draft that it's a crapshoot who you're going to be picking. But when it's a crapshoot who you're going to be picking, it means there's going to be premium talent falling to the second round. Like I'm holding, I'm putting a heavy premium on those second round picks this year, just because there's like last year, I I think we spent the six months leading up to the draft saying, guys, we're not going to find a Nikita Kucherov or a Braden point in the second round. It doesn't happen anymore. This year it might. Like it legitimately might this year because there might be a guy in the OHL who had a down rookie year and hasn't played again and he might be way better than we all know. So it could happen this year. So yeah, it's it's all relative, but I don't know. I, I would like done, but it's not a hill I'm I'm willing to die on. Evan, Chalosky and Edmonton second for Vince Dunn. Do you do it? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't feel any more numb watching this current iteration of the Red Wings. So, fire me up some Vince Dunn. Let's get this going. And that's not Jalowski's fault. To be fair, he's no, not been. It's not. Yeah, but. he should be in this lineup after what I've seen the past. I just want to too see many what, games. I just want to see what Dennis Jalowski looks like under a different coach. Is that too much to ask? 
Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it actually might be. <laughs> what is it? I you have to go through the process of firing the coach, hiring the new coach, and then the adjustment period with everyone playing under a new coach. So maybe by the time Chalowski is 30, he'll get a real look on this team. <laughs> <laughs> Life if is Brad, pain and everything, stu- and everything sucks. If Brad had a, a, a genie in a bottle or whatever... And he had three wishes. The first one would be like a measurable wealth. The second one would be, a, I don't know, a mute button for his kids. And the third one would be for Dennis Cholowski to just get a full 82 game season. Just one full 82 game season. That'd be his third wish. Guaranteed. I'm not asking for too much here, am I? Uh, the mute button for the kids might be a lot. No pot, no. kettle, all that. No, but. I wouldn't. And for the record, the immeasurable wealth thing, you're absolutely right on. I don't need a mute button for my kids. I'm already immune to that. If I had a second wish, it would be for a giant horn to go off behind your head every time someone crosses the blue line that just yells, offsides. Piss off. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Lashell stays on forever. <laughs> um. All right. Uh, some other league-wide news. Kind of a surprise. Jim Rutherford resigned as GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins today. Just like out of the blue. Everyone was shocked. Like we're talking Bob McKenzie was shocked. Like, like if Bob doesn't know, this was a shock. That Everyone had to have known he was getting towards the end of his career. But at this point in the season, it's just bizarre. Like He went through all of that to get this season started. And you're going through this bubble stuff. And it's just such an ordeal. And then you know, five, six games in, you resign. And he said it was for personal reasons. So I'm going to take my pot shots at Jim Rutherford as a GM in a minute here, but genuinely like hope everything's okay. Hope this is just a matter of him saying I've had enough. What do like him or hate him? The guy has three cups, two of them with Pittsburgh. So he saw that go down. He saw that three and O last night and it's like, well, that was it. <laughs> he had some sh- shred of doubt in his brain. And he's like, he saw that. He's like, I'm, I'm done. He actually, uh, he got in at GameStop at $6 and why he work? sold today at $350. He's like, why do I, why work another day in my life? That's what it was. Um, I think I did see a quote, at least on the positive end of this story, that uh, I think someone reached out to him and he said it wasn't health related, which was a relief because that was immediately where my mind went with how sudden it was, was, oh shit, is he sick? Is someone sick? But apparently not. So... Yeah, I don't know. He was really vague in his reasons for doing it. I mean, hey, he has every right to his privacy and good on him. But confusing. Yeah, really, really confusing. I don't know. Maybe he just like uh, took a look at all the moves Jim Rutherford made over the past few years and went, oh, shit. <laughs> here's here's my theory, okay? Jim Rutherford hates the Pittsburgh Penguins. So he became their GM, won them two cups so everybody would get friendly with him. And he'd think he's in this for good intentions. And then he would acquire the Mike Matheson contract, sign the Jack Johnson contract, buy out Jack Johnson. So to get stuck with that for a while, trade every prospect and draft pick the Penguins have and just set them up for 20 years of failure and then dip. He saw the three on O fail and go, there it is, the start of the decline. I my my work is done here, and then he sailed off into a what I can only assume is a Washington Capitals funded mansion. <laughs> Rude of him to not drop drop uh, drop off John Marino in Detroit first, though. Honestly, 
I think it's because I've been so relentless against him. It's funny. What's the situation here? Is everyone wrong about uh, Jim Rutherford, myself included? Or could you have put in uh, a monkey and a typewriter and they could have GM'd the Pittsburgh Penguins led by Crosby and Malkin to, to two additional cups under his tenure? With all due respect to Jim Rutherford, yeah, no, the, the monkey on the typewriter could have won it. They, they, they won in spite of a lot of the moves he make. And hey, for, he, he could be a good GM. We always just talk about roster transactions, but like you have to manage up. You have to manage the owner ownership situation, which is always an adventure in Pittsburgh and all that other business stuff to be vague that goes on behind the scenes. So he probably did an, uh, an admiral admirable job at that which is one thing his bosses would appreciate and yeah when you have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang you can gamble on the roster and he did and it worked most of the moves didn't even work out but it still worked it doesn't matter tried shit shit happened we won cups great if Mario Lemieux cares about hockey as an entertainment industry and as a business, which he should, he he saved the Penguins from leaving Pittsburgh, essentially. Him and Twice. Crosby. Twice. Um, he would hire Pierre Maguire as his GM just for the memes. Oh, please let it happen. Please. If, if Mario Lemieux does that, I will absolutely go on air every single chance I get claiming him as the best player of all time over Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> what did Wayne Gretzky do? A terrible job coaching the Coyotes? If Lemieux brings us... Pierre Maguire is GM again. I will be thrilled. It's a 2020 headline in 2021 that we definitely don't deserve. So please give it to us uh, and watch I, watch Pierre come in and win cups. Oh my god! Uh, someone made a great point um, in relation to obviously Pierre getting hired would be great, and for much of the same reasons that would be great. When we were on our anti Babcock tirade and we're like, he shouldn't get a coaching job. Someone messaged me. He's like, no, he should get a coaching job. And I'm like, why? And he's like, he'll be off our TV. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. That's a valid point. So if we can, if we can get, okay, hear me out. Mike Babcock, assistant coach in Pittsburgh. We solve two NBC problems, one shot. And you know, Milbury would be, all, or not Milbury, sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, McGuire would be all for it too. The only reason this might not work is Sid might not like it because it would definitely be his first day. McGuire's meeting all the players and they're talking in the dressing room after like, oh, how's your, how's your meeting with the new GM? And they're saying, they're talking about what they talked about with Pierre and, and Crosby's looking all confused and someone turns to him like, Sid, what's the problem? He goes, Pierre didn't say anything. He just sat and stared and smiled at me, kind of happy for 30 minutes, and then I left. <laughs> like, he would just gawk <laughs> at him the whole time. Yeah, that's think- just Pierre. Uh, yeah, but he was wearing a bathrobe. <laughs> <laughs> and it slipped at one point, and I ran out of the room. <laughs> if Pierre uh, had the genie right after Brad, all three of Pierre's wishes would be for Sidney Crosby. <laughs> and if the genie said, can you clarify? Pierre would say, you know. And that's it. Anyways, please give us Pierre Maguire's GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Any team, uh, really, that isn't the Red Wings. Speaking of GMs, uh, John Shaka finally got his punishment doled out by Gary Bettman, who I guess had a league to start back up first before addressing that whole situation. So I don't know if you guys remember us talking about it. Um, I can't remember which one of us kind of walked through the whole thing, but 
we what essentially happened was Chica left uh, Arizona under weird circumstances. It was a he said, she said with the ownership in Arizona. He said he was interviewing for a job that wasn't hockey related. Uh, and it turns out it was a job that like managed sports across multiple leagues. Was it, Did we end up finding out whether it was New Jersey or Buffalo or somewhere else? I think it's New Jersey from what I was reading today. And it was like, he would have hockey ops roles in addition to like you know, whatever other sports. Um, essentially, he'll be working for the ownership group directly across their entire sports portfolio. Arizona was pissed off about this. They're like, that is a hockey job. You can't just leave an interview for that job when you said it wasn't, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the punishment, long story short, the punishment doled out by uh, Gary Bettman today was that um, he was found to be uh, guilty of actions detrimental to the wellness of the league or something like that. And he has been banned from anything, any hockey related work through the rest of 2021, which all things considered, like I think John Chaka will happily take that to be rid of uh, the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah. I mean, what was this? This was the most severe punishment issued out to an executive uh, beating out Mike Keenan's two month ban when he signed a contract with the St. Louis Blues while still being employed by the New York Rangers. I think they said this is the first one since then. Yeah, that would make sense. I can't imagine there's been many. But yeah, I mean, good. Like Contracts should mean something. Like You can't get out of player contracts, so in theory, executives shouldn't be able to get out of their contracts. Considering how many lawyers lurk amongst the NHL, like it seems like every GM, every team and their executive have our lawyers or are some form of lawyer. They should understand contracts. I wouldn't be surprised if Cheka he seems like a pretty shrewd guy. Like hockey moves aside, doesn't matter what you think of him. I think he looked at this and said, Yeah, this is the risk I'm taking, but even if I do get banned for like one or two years, I don't care. Like this job pays me a bajillion dollars. I don't have to go down with the ship that is the Arizona Coyotes who you know, they don't even own their next first or first round pick, which might be a lottery pick. Like he understands what that organization's trajectory was. I wouldn't be surprised if he knew and just went for it anyways. And yet he's the reason they lost that pick. <laughs> I was going to say he's was a lot of the cause of said future demise. Maybe he has he- Jim Rutherford syndrome and just hated the coyotes. He didn't make that pick though. That was the new interim GM at the time, right? No, he's the reason that they lost the pick. He was still employed when they were doing the illegal fitness testing on prospects. Oh, I was mixing up things in my head. Yeah, no, no, you guys are absolutely right. Yeah, John Shaka hates the rules. Um, One other quick note here. Uh, We've talked a lot about women's hockey before on this podcast. And not too long ago, we had Lauren Gable, a member of the PWHPA, uh, as well as Team Canada. Um, And I forget the NCAA team she played for. Clarkson? Clarkson. Um, On the flip side of that, the National Women's Hockey League is trying a new thing, which is streaming uh, their games on Twitch, which has been an absolute blast. So if you want to watch some pro women's hockey for free... uh, Check them out on Twitch. I think they the last time I was in there, there was over 8,000 viewers, and I'm sure they've cleared that as well concurrently. Um, but hey, for a sport that has a hard time finding a reasonable viewing solution, my God, NHL, please get rid of blackouts during a freaking pandemic. No one's going to games. 
I get it. It's from the TV contracts, but still, it was refreshing to see someone just take a modern here watch solution. Yes, the NHL is different than the NWHL. We're talking scale, magnet, like orders of magnitude different in terms of scale of people viewing, the money involved, et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of fun. If you want to get to know women's hockey, it'll cost you nothing. Um, check them out over there. And the chat's been fun. Yeah. <laughs> people are just having a blast with it. Like, it's not like a normal Twitch chat. This is fun positivity. Everybody's having a good time with it. It's great. It's honestly great. And if you were lucky enough to watch the Boston Pride Toronto Six game, that is like a top three jersey matchup in hockey history. Just elite. <sighs> the Toronto Six jersey is great. The name, it just drives me up the freaking wall. I can't stand you, it. I can get past the name based on just how good the logo and jerseys are. Like it, it makes it all worthwhile. Uh, I don't care how, how dumb the name is. It makes it worthwhile. I just, we need Detroit to get a team. I don't care if it's when the WNHL forms up or if they join the NWHL. I don't care. We need a Detroit, whatever you want to call them, women's hockey team. Yeah. I like obviously support the Red Wings. Uh, I'm a big Michigan fan. Um, I, for now, we'll support Detroit City FC. I hope they get an MLS team there. I'm a Lions fan, so help me God. I'm a Tigers fan, a Pistons fan. I want as many pro sports team in Detroit teams in Detroit as possible. I have a dysfunction. I have a problem. They have not treated me well over the past few years, and I still want more. So please, pro women's hockey, whatever it looks like, land in Detroit. Thank you very much for listening. It'd be cool if they took up uh the Detroit Vipers name from the old IHL. That'd oh, be sweet. That'd be dope. And that's that's a color combination that you could have fun with. Yes. Those jerseys are like, I don't know if they're objectively good or it's just a nostalgia thing or it's just like if someone can use teal and like pr- almost pink in a jersey and make it look good, like, yeah, hell yeah, go for it. Um, okay, let's move on to overtime here. Uh, we are going to head into Patreon because this is a midweek episode and overtime is a segment where we take uh, questions and comments from fans, uh, friends, loved ones. Just kidding. We don't let our loved ones on here. That would be bad. Um, as our way of saying, thank you for supporting the show and midweek is exclusive to Patreon because they are the ones who truly, truly support the show and allow it to be what it is for better or for worse. Um, as you can see, it's a very sophisticated ordeal because the first comment is from Kindle and a turd. Um, he says, Hey, I like Luke and all, but what's worse, Philpola Glendening Nielsen or Miller Glendening Ott? Either way, let's slow Red Wings. <laughs> oh boy. Well, I'll let Evan careful take what this you one. say. <laughs> I'll have to give you bad stock advice if you tarnish <laughs> Steve Ott's name. Yeah, because we've been giving good stock advice on this show. We are not financial advisors. Uh, these are this is purely satire. I don't know what the, the disclaimer is here. Something like that. Just buy waffles. Uh, Everybody buy waffles. <laughs> buy Ego. <laughs> buy dollar sign Ego. Uh, RC Tendy says, "Why? Why in the hell did Nielsen, Philpula, and Glendening get so much ice time to get hemmed in their own zone and literally not provide any offense?" Combined for zero shots and had a 5-on-5 Corsi percentage of 26. Meanwhile, Rasmussen's line with Hiroshi and Smith each had two shots on net and had a 5-on-5 Corsi of 53.2. There's no reason Phil's line should be getting more than double the ice time of Rasmussen's line. There's no reason Phil's line should be getting ice time. You could have just left it at that. 
Young, bad, old, good. Moving on. Wingnut says, whatever happened, all those teams that were over the cap in the wings were supposed to hopefully get some prospects uh, or picks from them. Wasn't really paying attention, but it looks like we only got a second for Stahl and apparently a promise to play him too. A lot of teams got bailed out by LTIR. Now, bailed out. I'm sure Tampa would have rather given us a pick and had Nikita Kucherov in their ro- in their lineup, but... Yeah, I mean, St. Louis had Tarasenko go on LTIR. Tampa had Kucherov go on LTIR. Uh, the Islanders had Johnny Boychuk go on LTIR. All big contracts. I forget Vegas had something too, but they had to trade Nate Schmidt to Vancouver. Um, they Obviously, that wasn't a cap done. Nate Schmidt's a good player, but still. So, yeah, it, it was the perfect storm of not helping the Red Wings. So Mark Stahl was actually the best cap dunk trade any team made this offseason. So at least that's the positive there. The Red Wings did as good as anybody in the league. They did better than anybody else in the league in that category. Michael Lang says, hey, dudes, I got to applaud Brad and Ryan for absolutely bodying Blashill and Babcock last episode, justifiably. We just need to hear Evan tear Dave Lewis a new one to complete <laughs> the Red Wings coaching trifecta. A guy can dream. I don't know if Evan has passionate thoughts about Dave Lewis. I, don't know I definitely do Lewis not. Is. Yeah, a lot of people don't remember Dave Lewis. Uh, anyone else feel old as hell realizing Columbus and Minnesota have been in the league for 20 years? They were the first two expansion team expansion teams that I vividly remember, and now here we are. Time waits for no man. P.S. I am now using this account to remind Brad how his favorite defenseman is doing. Hey, Brad, Mark Stahl has one point. And we have a second round pick. Also, that you mentioned that was the first expansion team you remember coming in. I remember Ottawa and Tampa coming in. How old do you think I feel? You remember them coming in? Ottawa has literally circled back to their retro jerseys that they had in their expansion year that I was alive to watch and enjoy. Brad's so old, he remembers Ottawa's original franchise. I still actually remember it. I was pretty young. I think I was five or six at the time. Like I was just getting into hockey and I thought like that new teams coming in was the coolest thing ever. And then the year after we got Florida and Anaheim too, it was like blowing my tiny mind. My mind hasn't grown since then. When were you born, Brad? Like just after victory in Europe day, something around there. Um, D-Day plus a week. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah brad's middle name is juno believe it or not uh <laughs> maria beekman says poutine love it or leave it oh maria love it love That's it. the only thing i care about in this world <laughs> kate yes. you need proper cheese curds. don't need- start we know we've heard you go on that before <laughs> i knew it was coming you can make any type of poutine and make it well you don't i had money. um i had leftover drippings from uh, short ribs and I used it as gravy. Oh, my God. That's ah, not bad. My pants have never fit the same. <laughs> Brad, that, could I was mean gonna, two, that could mean two things. Both, well, whatever you true want. true for me right now. Like, Although, Brad, I was ready to move on until you just said you can make it however you want. If you put shredded cheese on poutine, you should go to jail. Tell me so I can call <laughs> the FBI. <laughs> the, fr- the French police come and pick you up, take you to jail. <laughs> Uh, Evan, did you see Brad's tweet where he noti- notated time with a decimal point or the yeah, decimal place? Yeah, I was tired. I sent the tweet, realized <laughs> it immediately, and I just couldn't be fucking bothered to change it. No, I didn't see it. I I looked at it for so long and I went, no, we can't. <laughs> I cannot. No, I think what happened was I was literally looking at the goddamn how they have it on the TV screen. I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's it. And then, yeah. <laughs> 
Jail. Straight to jail. Uh, Hannah Please. Lee says, Mickey, Mickey Redmond is the only reason I'm tuning in at this point. Hannah. Yeah. Oh, God dang it. <laughs> that was so funny. For me. <laughs> uh, the team looks like crap on a stick. Bertuzzi had a nice zone entry against Dallas, but no support. Uh, they look awful. The power play is gross. Even if we get rid of Blash, we still won't be good. I doubt it would hurt our draft pick. We need a new coach now, not later. Too much of this is bad for the players. It just reminds me of what everyone says about Edmonton and losing mentality for too many years. That is the wings now. Dishing out the truth, Hana Lee um hana i also appreciate that your pup is your picture here it's very fun every time i see it uh jake Kiefer says i wish broadcast corporations would give the people what they want for one game a year allow people to pay a ten dollar fee to watch an uncensored dr- drunk rick mickey redmond and ken daniels broadcast but give all the proceeds to this jamie daniels foundation everyone wins i'd pay a hundred for the one game <laughs> uh la plata peak says i really hope cider gets in the lineup after the end of the shl season if nothing else then to give fans a glimmer of hope there's not one playmaker on the blue line right now looking at you heronic and oh my god do we need one rogla might be too good they might be too good for that he's gonna go on a run and heronic for as good as he's been well as good as he was last year playmaking's never been like his elite tool yeah the red wings don't have Oh, playmaker on defense. It's pretty depressing. Uh, Cody Stark, who's expecting a, a little one. So, Cody, congratulations. Uh, says, I proudly present a Winged Wheel podcast poem by Cody Stark. Red wings are red. Bill's fans' balls are blue. Jeff Blashill is ass. I'm cooking beef stew. I'm having a kid, a future patron, I hope. Franz's time on ice is high. How will we cope? The season will be long for us fans as we sit. Brad's all Red Wings fancy team looks like absolute Mike Bab Milbury shit. <laughs> Cody, that was poetry. Yep. Uh, Taylor Tagel says, uh, sick of some of the roster deployment already. So if we get to see any of that talent that is over in Europe, get in any games this season. Big if. Where do you slot them in? Where do you like? Where would you like to see Cider and Valeno play if they get in a game? I don't think we're going to see anybody but Cider the way this team is being played. And I don't think we're going to get more than the five or six game threshold for Cider. Um, where would I like to see sli- Cider slide in? Uh, first pairing number one defenseman in all situations because he's an upgrade. Um, where should he slot in? Probably middle six role in a sheltered uh, spot just because he will be a rookie playing his first NHL games, even though he's better than the players around him. I don't think Valeno's ready for the NHL in all seriousness, but if he's going to get a limited look, screw it. Put, please put Zadina on his wing. Yeah. And Taylor, I'm sorry. It's Taylor Tagel. Tagel? Tagel. Taylor Tagel. That's how I'm going to That's what I'm going to go with. If I'm wrong, tell me. <laughs> Luke Lendenberg says, hey, guys, it was so nice of NBCSN to put me on the Red Wings team last week. Too bad some plug named Luke Lendenning took my spot and all my equipment right before the game. What a jerk. How about an overrated, underrated, favorite slash least favorite for you guys? Topic, hockey movies. Thanks for the pod, guys. Or thanks for the podcast, boys, and let's do that hockey. Overrated Overrated and underrated hockey movies. Okay. 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 Underrated? I'm going to go TV show and say Screech Owls. That show was sweet. Oh, man. I don't even really remember that one that much. I just remember the book. Yeah, it was a book series first, I think underrated i'm i'm gonna say goon i've watched that movie a dozen times it holds up every viewing 
I mean, I know most hockey fans like it, but this is a movie that needs to be up there in the conversation with Slapshot. It is hurt. Billy Madison. Or, um... Happy Gilmore. Happy. Did you forget the name of a golf movie, Evan? Oh, it's because I literally just watched that. I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, Overrated? I don't know what the most overrated... Is there an overrated hockey movie? I mean, the, oh, well, the, 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 I can tell you one that just flat out sucks, which is The Love Guru. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I even laughed at that. That was horrible. I'm trying to think. Is- I, I mean, I still like the movies, but rewatching The Mighty Ducks as an adult, they do. The magic does not hold up. The what first M- one does. What the about first- MVP? Most Valuable Primate. Uh, oh, God. That's underrated. Don't come after MVP. Come That's on. underrated. Don't even. Yeah. Don't even joke about it, Evan. Uh, former defenseman Ryan Hanna says, glad me and Brad agree that the team who gets the better player in trade wins. Luckily, Winnipeg did. Did you guys see Line A pull out his PSP on the Columbus bench? Bold move. <laughs> I love the idea of Line A not only gaming on the bench, but it's a PSP, which is one of the most underrated gaming consoles of all time. Uh, Jake Jarvis. Oh, Jake, I'm sorry. I haven't responded to your email. Um, is going to be getting a cider jersey soon from us yeah uh ryan hubbard says brad for wings head coach 2022 what is really the issue with mantha's slow start as a wings fan should we worry thanks again for the content and as always let's go red wings the person that figures this out is going to get a lot of money from steve eiserman because i don't know again like his play deserved criticism but at the same time it's not enough to to sound the alarms over quite yet uh rob who says hello i've been a patron since your marathon draft episodes but this is my first question for you guys for so rob first of all thank you for all the support um who do you think would be a good candidate to coach the wings when they finally make the change away from blashill i hear gerard Gallant's name thrown around a bit and i've also seen uh, larianov's name added to the possibilities in a few random corners of reddit um what are your thoughts on larianov i have no idea if he'd be a good choice or not but being an old school wings fan i'd absolutely love that any chance of it happening and any other possibilities out there? Thanks for the great shows and keep up the good work. After um, watching Rush at the World Juniors, I'm, I'd very much be on the Larianov bandwagon because he was beating that puck possession game to death and I'm here for it. Um, if not Larianov, I, I would be a fan of Lane Lambert or Ricard Gronberg. Uh, Larianov likened his coaching style to that of uh, Liverpool managers Jurgen Klopp. So that's an uh, A plus name. Yeah. And that is an automatic hire him for me. Um, yeah. Gerard Gallant is another one. I don't know if Gerard Gallant's necessarily a fit for this team right now. Lane Lambert is an unknown quantity in a head coaching role, but he has familiarity with Eisman. So he's floating around too. And he's, I'm not, he comes yeah. uh, from the, he's been on Barry Trotz's staff for what, six years now at least. And uh, I'd say Barry Trotz is doing a pretty good job. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, the actual Terry says, hello there, hockey buffoons. Uh, I search elite prospects and NHL.com for a Matthew Stafford, and I don't see him on the Red Wings. I've thus decided that you three, if there really are three of you, make things up. Uh, there are three of us, and we do indeed make things up. Uh, it seems that there's been developments uh, in the Red Wings. They've developed new ways to be bad, like when the power play got set up in the Ozone in the third yesterday, only to watch as seconds ticked away, and the point person didn't make the obvious pass to Hiroshi. Who was wide open, undefended, and would have made the goaltender move nearly across the entire crease. 
Anyways, to end this, my name is Brad Hanna, and I have been shitposting as the actual Terry. Okay, I don't know if your actual name is Brad Hanna or if you're combining Brad's first name and a variation of my last name. So the shitposting might continue. But if your name is actually Brad Hanna, you are my new favorite Brad. Thank you. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi says, uh, man, Rutherford really traded away all his assets and dipped, eh? Shame. Uh, Trent Boss says, hey guys, newish to Patreon, first time commenter and fellow Ontarian stuck in Leafland hell. Trent, welcome and thank you for the support uh, and um, solidarity, man. Just wanted to say I love the Slava Kozlov discourse a bit uh, bit ago here from a supposed doppelganger. I actually first switched over from being a Leafs fan to Detroit when I was six or seven because my grandmother's maiden name is Kozlov. So seven-year-old me assumed he was my cousin. Hey, we all think he's your cousin. Uh, secondly, with it being Gretzky's birthday yesterday, there was a lot of his, a lot of his insane stats and facts being thrown around the craziest I saw, uh, if he had continued to play for 16 more seasons and didn't record a single point in any of those games, he still would have been a point per game player. Yeesh. Yeah. On another planet, like another planet, Gretzky. Uh, Gerald McDonald says, hi guys. I know it's early, but any thoughts on who will be a good uh, who will be good trade bait for the wings and what would be a reasonable price in return? Thanks. Wait, like who, who are the Red Wings shipping out or who the Red Wings should be targeting? No, no. Who like, uh, yeah, who the Red Wings would be shipping out? Um, well, a lot of the one-year rentals aren't doing a ton for their value outside of Bobby Ryan. So I'll say a second-round pick for Bobby Ryan. And then whatever the hell pick you can get for the rest of them. Uh, Bernier might have some value. There's teams looking for goaltending. I, I think you could get a second out of Bernier at the deadline too. Ryan Bernier, Glenn Denning, who I don't think will ever be traded, but I will perpetually put up as a depth guy for a contending team. Yeah, he, he'll get a mid-round pick. But I mean, again, trade every pending unrestricted free agent you can, no matter what it's for, or extend them. Don't let them walk for nothing at the end of the year. And if you call every team in the NHL and they say, nah, then so be it. Brad Simmons says, hey guys, first time commenter. Brad, welcome and thank you for the support. Great name. Uh, Yeah. Uh, You're tied for my favorite Brad. Says, will you ever get Ozzy on? Love everything you do. Thanks. Yeah, we'd love to have Ozzy on. Just try to get Ozzy on here. Sometimes, though, these people listen to our podcast and go, nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they will at the start of this episode. <laughs> no, we Ozzy furiously taking notes. Uh, Ozzy- messages the next day. Hey, I bought it 370. What happened? Oh, it goes sorry, up to it goes up you. to 600. Ozzy joins his fourth host. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you give us 50% of your game stock gains, you can join uh, as the 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 on YouTube, how we have the four boxes and one of them is just like the infographic, you can take up that box and do whatever you want. But you can't show both nipples at once. It's against the law. Yeah, One at a time, like a sophisticated human being. <laughs> I don't know why I made that. What the hell's wrong with me? Uh, Michael Berry says, since Brad says he never gets compliments, here's one. Uh, Brad seems like a great dad and you, you guys all seem like great dudes. Also, I enjoy your podcast and I think the listeners will agree. I also think your number of listeners support that fact. Oh, that's nice. But to dispel that notion, my kids hate me and these two hate me more. That's true. <laughs> uh, although Evan and I get along great with his kids. Yeah. Um, they they also literally what, they gang up on me. It's it's actually a it's hobby so much of theirs. Fun. Uh, also, what's your guys plan to make Steve Dangle's kid a Wings fan? Cheers and have a good one. Well, he already has a Winged Wheel podcast onesie, so Steve, I, we're waiting. I haven't seen a picture of him in it yet. Steve. 
Which, by the uh, way, Ryan, Hank's like almost outgrown 18-month shit, so I need that thing like ASAP. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, let's do that this week. Uh, Cameron Swick says, tell me uh, what each of you think of these predictions by either agreeing, saying it will take less time, or that it'll take more time. Red Wings will make the playoffs by 2024. I agree. Agree. Um, agree. Sorry, I couldn't find the mute button. <laughs> Yeah, they move it on you. Mantha will not be a uh, a Red Wing by 2025. Disagree. I agree. Disagree. Oh, wait, that's five years out and his contract's four years? Yeah, no, I'll agree. I'll agree. I don't yeah. see him re-signing at 30. I disagree. You think he'll stay? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Larkin will have played a thousand games by age 32, 2028. How many games is he in right now? He's got to be couple hundred at least larkin he should hit that barring any big injury yeah he's played 400 just about 400 oh and that is seven years yeah wait there needs to be some playoffs in there for sure i don't right? know i don't think he w- yeah there needs to be playoffs and like no injuries yeah. unless i did my napkin math wrong he, here. he plays with a bit of reckless abandon there unfortunately will be injuries in his future so uh yeah i'd say you'd have to that'll take longer uh red wings will win the cup in 2028 20 years after their last cup win i'll go disagree just because the odds of picking a specific year to yeah, win the cup is impossible i'll say longer <laughs> yeah Caught. it'll be a while Blashill is fired by March 30th 30th of this year. Longer. Mm. I got to say off season if Blash is going to go. I don't see the point of firing him with a month and a bit left if you haven't done it. Though. I do, but I wouldn't bet on it. <laughs> if they lose every game up until then, then yes. Uh Jeremy Dahl says, "Hey boys, you have no idea how much I appreciate you guys when our team is this frustrating or boring. There has to be an end in sight at some point, right? My god, I'd love some meaningful hockey. Uh it's been so long. I was feeling good after the start they got off to, but like you uh but like you said the Chicago games were so frustrating. Anyways, enough about that. Couple quick questions. What is this joke about Winnipeg not having an airport? Being the trusting guy I am and the, you the trustworthy gentleman you are, I just believe you. My girlfriend looked at me like I was insane when I made that statement. Yeah, sorry. That's that's the that's the process of it. I got burned by it too where I was like Really? That, Everyone's saying it. So it was a joke, a, like a legitimate thing for a while, but they have since built an airport not all that long ago. So that joke never died out, but the actual joke of it being true no longer exists from what I was, from what I was to understand. How long, how long ago was it built? I have no frigging clue. I was just reading this no, on Twitter. The Winnipeg, Winnipeg James Armstrong Richardson International Airport Opened in 1928. Really? That can't be right. Yeah. Do they have like, yeah, there's, is it like the Bresla airport where there's like limits on how far the flights can actually go? It's an international airport, but we get one international flight a week. Yeah. It's like there's one flight from Chicago that lands in Bresla a week. That's like, it's an international airport, but it's not really an international airport. Uh, I think, I think they've always had one. And it's just a meme that's been going around. Because yeah, the 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 tab on Wikipedia is literally called post war. <laughs> um, could you rip on Edmonton's once again shitty start, Vancouver's shitty start, and Calgary only having one shot on net in the first period against Toronto the other night? Always makes my day. I hate the Canadian teams. 
it, oh. we live in Canada and watching Canadian teams continually falter is just a hilarious pastime for non-Canadian team fans. Oh, I can I can actually uh, make a funny in real time right now. Um, the Vancouver Canucks in their game tonight against the Ottawa Senators allowed 24 shots on goal and 11 high danger chances. Did I say game? I meant first period. Oh, pardon? Things are not great in Vancouver right now. Vancouver Twitter, super rational. I bet they're handling this well. Of the hockey drama that exists on Twitter, 90% of it belongs to Vancouver Twitter. It is rabid in there. Yeah, and they have every reason to be rabid these days. Hey, do you know who uh, hasn't led to this catastrophic catastrophically disappointing season philip zadina balls in your court quinn hughes <laughs> uh moving on or sorry he said goes on to say also could you try to be a bit nicer to each other yes even brad you guys are all great and it breaks me old heart to have you guys constantly tearing each other down <laughs> this comment was submitted by brad <laughs> yeah <laughs> this comments from shmrad shmisko uh if it makes you feel any better we're all actually uh uh it's not that it's an act. It's just this is how we are with each other. And oh, my my favorite uh, update stat here is in the first nine minutes of the second period in that Canucks Senators game, uh, the Canucks now lead three one, reminding everybody that Ottawa is truly terrible. Um, I've had people say that that definitely I go hardest on Brad out of like any of us like ripping on each other. And my reply is every time is that is the exact inverse of how our group chat is. It is just <laughs> Brad constantly trolling me. In our group chat. <laughs> he's, he's not wrong. <laughs> and Evan who like Evan who is very particular about what he says on air is definitely the most active in the chat in terms of like responding right away, <laughs> like offering his opinion. It's because I sit at home by myself all day <laughs> in silence. So the anytime anytime anyone messages me, I'm just like verbal diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I, I have the opposite. Yeah. I actually have to go in public and deal with people and employees and stuff like that. So that when someone comes through in my chat and ev- the rest of the world's already pissed me off and I see Ryan pop up, I just go, nah, fuck this guy too. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it feels like. <laughs> it's like, uh, hey guys, um, I actually broke broke both my uh broke broke both my legs today, and you know I came down with a terrible disease, and uh, my house burned down, and I I can't afford to pay for my internet anymore, and uh, Mel left me. Do you think we can move the podcast up thirty minutes, Brad? Oh my God, fuck you! <laughs> the largest inconvenience of all time. <laughs> uh, uh, Jeremy finishes by saying, "Keep it up, guys. You'll always have my support. You enhance my experience so much, even with the shit team." Thank you, Jeremy. Liz B says, "If you've never seen it, do yourself a favor and watch the Alaska Fairbanks hockey intro video from uh, 2009 and 2010. They are something else. Have not, but will do." Uh, Manitoban Machine Never Break says, "Oh, mentions the NWHL games on Twitch. It's completely free to watch, uh, and you'll never have to hear Pierre or Babs. And the cherry on top is you'll be able to watch another Toronto team blow five-one leads. Also, in case it hasn't been mentioned yet, Jeff Blashill sucks." Uh, Haroon Khan says, holy shit, I know we've been talking about how bad Blashill is, but I have a great idea to make money in the COVID world. I don't know about anyone else, but I'd sure as hell drop a lot of money to see Steve Eisman's live reactions during the game. 
That'd be so awesome, both in a business sense and entertainment value perspective. Just like a little square in the top right section where the Bally Sports logo is. Oh, yeah. Fox Sports is renaming, uh, rebranding themselves to Bally, Bali Sports. So it's going to be Bali Sports Detroit. I don't know how it's pronounced. Eiserman uh, is a stone wall, but I still think people would still pay for that. Uh, Brett S says, hey, guys, Dylan's Captain C or Dylan's Captain C? Thanks, Brett. Brett, I think you're being funny. Yes. Captain C, like the word. C-A-P-T-A-I-N-C-Y. Not Captain and then the letter C. But I'm sure that isn't going to help anything. Uh, Tate says, hey, guys, you probably mentioned this already, but how about Rasmussen almost getting decapitated last night? Glad he's okay. That could have been bad. Evan, only two more months till golf season. Let's fucking go. I am so excited. Not this, the fact that this snowboard season is essentially just a write-off. All I yeah. can do, I have, I, I just had like four tabs open about golf. <laughs> At all times, I think you do. Yeah. Uh, the rarely used feature of like open this tab on opening the wit or opening my browser. Like some people, I use it for work stuff. We have a daily bulletin that I pull up, and I pull up like the the times or something. Evans is just PGA everything. Oh yeah. All the new uh, clubs coming out. Oh, yeah. It's a good time. Last comment here from Crybaby Crisco says, Good day, dud duds. Somewhat poetic. <laughs> that noted life. Can you guys be more nice to Brad? Uh, noted lifelong stars super fan Bradley John Crisco was so upset yesterday after the overtime win. Look, mate, I know the stars should have obliterated the wings, but they take the W and move on. You only have to see this mess like eight times this year or whatever. We have to see it every night. <laughs> Oh, and to make matters worse, as someone pointed out, above the old fishing rod uh, came out as cop guy moaned and whined about never being paid a compliment. And that's not even the worst part. I learned there are cop guy simps out there. <laughs> Brad simps is a phrase I never wanted to learn about in my life. Um, if I could only fire two people and uh, my choices were Jim Benning, Jeff Blaschel, and Brad, I'd fire Brad twice. Anyways, Jersey time. Which team has the worst home and away set in the Discover Free Ad Central Division? Stay fresh cheese bags, not you, Brad. Worst Jersey set in the Central, home and away only. No. Is Dallas's Neon the third Jersey this yeah, year? It's the third yeah, third Yeah, never mind. Okay, hold on. I, I have to go back a couple comments here. I just watched that Alaska intro video while you were reading those last couple questions. This is no joke. This is must watch. I can't process what this is. There there was a bear uh, with a hockey stick that chopped a, a ship in half and then put on aviators and flew a fighter jet and then started uh -huh. blowing up universities. I wish this was like... Pardon? <laughs> That's a pretty tame Bollywood movie, actually. <laughs> yep. Bali Sports Detroit. That's what we were talking I, about. I think the title of the video is Alaska Nanook's 2010 Hockey Intro. This is must watch. Oh my God. Columbus has to be up there with the worst home and away set, right? Um, I like Columbus's more than Dallas's. I'm trying to remember. Uh, Tampa's are boring as shit. I hate their jerseys. Yeah, they're, I can understand being polarized on. They're uh, bad Toronto jerseys, and I don't even like Toronto's jerseys. I can understand being polarized on Florida's, but I still think Florida's are better than Tampa's. At least Florida's have some kind of personality. Nashville's, where is Nashville at? I can Nashville's fine. They're boring, but fine. Dallas's I... are boring, but fine. Tampa's are just Columbus boring. or Tampa here. 
Now, Columbus, for me, they're ahead of Dallas, Nashville, Tampa, probably Florida. Like Columbus is a top half jersey for me in this division. And I don't even love those jerseys. <laughs> this is a shitty jersey division. Holy hell. Yeah. Who else? The Carolinas in there? Like Carolina, Chicago, Detroit right are comfortable top three. I'm going to go Tampa just because the tiebreak will be their third jersey is much worse than Columbus's. Yeah. I cannot stand that tape, the gradient gray. Yeah, no, horrible. Okay. Uh, that's this episode of the Wing Wheel Podcast. We are going to wrap this up. We'd like to thank everyone for tuning in. We're going to be back on Sunday. I think we'll have three games to cover. That's what we went over. So uh, thank you guys so much. Um, we'd like to thank all of our name level sponsors. We have Arjun Shanker, Brett Bailey, Eves uh, Bartel on behalf of the Sarah Ground Foundation, uh, Taylor Tagel, Kyle Ryan Hubbard, R.A., Zach Spring, Citizen High Five, Cody Stark, Greach, Jeremiah Dobo, Jake Kiefer, Tyrone Bigham, uh, Brand, Big Bag, uh, Earwax and Lube. Oh, God. Oh, man. And that took a turn. Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Craig Kibble, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Kalen Wood, Hassam Al-Kassem, Hana Lee, Sam Bankson, Zach Van, Josh Yelton, Trevor Pevavar, Evans Bingo Card, Ashley Van Conet, uh, Red Wings Relativity Scale, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matt Keeler, Elite First Line Center, Dar- uh, Luke Glendening, <laughs> I almost said Darren Helm instinctively, <laughs> Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Joseph Minima, Quaz, Stan Olson. Thank you guys so much. We will be back with you on Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.